Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive medium, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created this show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. Sadly, millions of people of all ages across the United States and around the globe suffered job losses, were forced to close their businesses, and had to let go of their employees in the coronavirus-driven recession. This economic stress added to our already physical and emotional distress. At the beginning of the pandemic, job loss in the U.S. labor market was on a scale not seen since the Great Depression in 1933, where 24.9% of the nation's total workforce, or almost 13 million, were unemployed. At the peak of the pandemic in April of 2020, 14.7% of the U.S. population was unemployed, which was roughly 23 million. Each month, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, or BLS, reports on the number of people who are employed, unemployed, and not in the labor force, as measured by the CPS or Current Population Survey. They gather labor force status data, tracking millions of people around their movement between employment and unemployment each month. The data provided by the BLS in 2021 revealed the heavy impact that the COVID-19 pandemic had on the economy. In 2021, 60% of jobs returned, but employment was still down and higher than pre-pandemic levels. Unemployment went from 3.5% in February of 2020 to 4.9% in October of 2021. The data collected revealed that the steepest drop for the jobless rate occurred among those with less than a high school diploma, as well as for younger workers aged 16 to 24. Other more positive data confirmed that the service occupations saw the most notable increase in employment in 2021. The number of self-employed trended up, the percentage of people who teleworked because of COVID declined, and the average weekly median earnings for women increased by 2.4% from 2020. According to the BLS, the pre-pandemic unemployment rate in December of 2019 was at 3.6% with 5.9 million people unemployed. It wasn't until February of 2022 when the unemployment rate began to almost match the pre-pandemic percentage at 3.8%. As of today, the unemployment rate is at 3.7%, which is roughly 6.1 million people. As it so happens through the BLS's collection of data, it was reported that the number of people who do not want a job has increased. In 2021, the number of people not in the labor force decreased by 385,000, reaching 100 million by the end of the year. Those who were not in the workforce but wanted a job also fell to 5.8 million, which means that 94.2 million people at the end of 2021 not in the workforce did not want a job. In 2021, the quiet quitting began and more than 47 million people quit their jobs, which is almost 4 million people a month. Current worldwide data reports that about 45% of people don't want to work anymore, period. The word job comes from a phrase from the 1550s meaning piece of work. Somewhere along the way, its definition has changed from a piece of work or the work we do to who we are. When you think of how we Americans have learned to relate to our job, we have really made it a large part of who we are. We not only have been taught to formally introduce ourselves through our job, but also it takes up a large part of our our day-to-day conversations with people we don't even work with. In 2014, a poll was conducted in the U.S. to see how many of us really do get a sense of identity from our job. Results show that 55% of us get a sense of identity from our job, while the remaining 42% argued that it is just something we do to earn a living. These poll results had remained unchanged since 1989. Data revealed that a college education and degree, households with higher annual incomes, and those over the age of 45 were most likely to gain a sense of identity through their job. Aside from the age, These stats are comparable to those who eagerly sought out and gained employment in 2021. 
Your job is what you do. It is your purpose, rather, which can offer more insight into who you are. Some might say it is purpose, which is the intention of your job, or that it steers your career. Your purpose can span the existence of your life, varying in degrees in which to align with an aspect of your true being. Your career or your profession can be seen as one of the many reflections of or contributions to your purpose or your why. Without a doubt, the pandemic encouraged us all to find our why. Our brush with death made us all feel immensely vulnerable, but it also gave us the wonderful opportunity to reflect on our lives, dwell on where we were at, and decide where we wanted to go. We became captivated by purpose. For many of us, we figured out that our destination did not match the way in which we were living our lives, and so we made a decision to change our choices, which may have included our relationships, health, hobbies, habits, priorities, and jobs. After all, these are just extensions of who we are. While some of us still remain stuck, despite knowing we want change, others of us were quick to take action and finally live our lives on purpose. On today's Love from the Hip, it is my dear pleasure to once again have career and executive coach Aaron Thomas on my show. Aaron will discuss how the pandemic has impacted the trajectory of the workforce in the U.S., where all the employees have gone, which industries are winning, and so much more. Plus, if you're wanting to make a change in your career and just don't know what to do or where to begin, Erin will be offering up her coaching advice for you. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. Peach fuzz is great if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits, leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast, and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S A K U R A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Do you wonder why you repeat behaviors that don't serve you? Do you struggle with self love? Are you intimidated by situations where you want to stand up for yourself but can't? If any of those resonate with you, you may be living someone else's story. This can lead to dysfunctional relationships, emotional shutdowns, and regrets. Every part of your life may be a reflection of someone else's story. It's time to live your life. In 2005, spiritual life coach Jeanette Dames realized she was living other people's stories. She recreated her life to live her story and love, joy, peace, health, and prosperity showed up. From this deep transformation, Jeanette has developed a six-week coaching program to help you create your life your way. She can help you make it a dazzling reality. It's time to let go of what you absorbed from others and create the life you want. Visit RiverAngelRanch.com for more information. That's R-I-V-E-R-A-N-G-E-L-R-A-N-C-H.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm intuitive medium, spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having career and executive coach Erin Thomas here with us. Hey, Erin, thanks for joining me again. 
Hello, Sakura. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you're no longer in Seattle. Where do you live now? I am not. We left the gray rain for um, normally blue sky and sun. Um, not today, however, uh, but uh -huh. I now live in the Bay Area in California, which is originally where I'm from. Um, so really nice to, to be home. Awesome. <laughs> now, were you one of the ones that also moved during COVID? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we moved. My husband, young son, and I moved. Um, when did we move? In um, September of 2020. Mm. Um, so kind of in the in the peak of COVID. And my young son was three months old. Wow. So, and there were massive forest fires happening all throughout the area we were moving to. Oh, my god! So essentially, we're in like a U-Haul truck driving down the I-5. <laughs> it's actually blue sky and sunny in Washington and Oregon. And we're just headed into black plumes of smoke and I'm pretty sure I cried the entire yeah, time. Yeah, that's not a good sign. How did you take that? <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out really, really well. We love it here. It's yeah. so good to be back in the Bay Area. So, oh, but wonderful. we do miss Seattle a lot. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, how has the pandemic changed the trajectory of the workforce here in the U.S.? Yeah, well, well, really good question. And um, first, though, though, I want to I want to just give a caveat that I am not an economist. <laughs> I am not a workforce analyst, of which there are many, many I know and are great. Um, I'm a career and executive coach. So my perspective is really shaped and informed by um, um, experiencing, um, you know, the hundreds of clients I work with annually. Of course, um, my colleagues in the career coaching and career strategy space, as well as, of course, staying abreast of workforce agencies like the BLS, um, and just, you know, sort of keeping a pulse on industries. Um, I One thing I love so much about my job is that I work with people from all different industries and functions. Mm -hmm. So I get kind of this bird's eye view of, you know, certain aspects of the workforce, which right. is just really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the yeah, the workforce is really different now than it was just a few years ago. And, you know, in my humble opinion, it should be. Mm -hmm. um, something I talk to my clients all the time about is that you as a human, as an individual, and we as people, we are always evolving, right? Our culture is evolving. Our our individual personalities are evolving. Our lives are evolving. Our communities are evolving, right? So the workforce in general should evolve with us. Mm -hmm. The way I think about it with my individual clients is, is your career should evolve with you and with your life. Right. And so often that's a little bit of a different, a different um, lens and a different frame than people think about their careers. Um, so it has changed. And, you know, I'll just give a little bit of, you know, you gave such a great overview of what's been happening over the, uh, the last few years. And I'll just sort of highlight some of the things I heard from you. And I sure. know that, you know, it started with, you know, the, of course, the pandemic and the great resignation, which really connoted that all of a sudden, everybody was quitting their jobs. And it was sort of this, this frenzy. And, um, you know, labor analysts and, and economists, like no one, you know, in companies, they were sort of all up in arms, like they didn't quite realize why, you know, that this was going to happen. And right. they didn't quite know what to do. And um, as you said, it was about 20, 23% uh, of the workforce in 2021 left, left mm -hmm. their jobs. So, you know, we didn't really know what to do. Um, the, 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 the great resignation, the, the sort of the concept, it quickly evolved into what people called the great reshuffle. Because mm -hmm. while there were a lot of people, as you mentioned, leaving the workforce completely, um, there were also just a lot of people changing jobs. Um, that weren't quite accounted for to begin with, or that wasn't quite in the original narrative. Um, and so, so this kind of phenomenon, it morphed into what people called the great reshuffle. Basically, hiring was outpacing quitting. There were mm. still high unemployment rates. However, hiring was outpacing um, quitting. Um, and, and then it sort of evolved into the great regret, which um, <laughs> maybe you've heard about, maybe others have heard about, which I'll talk a little bit about. But, but you know, 
key factors that contributed to people quitting um, at this volume, of course, were, um, well, there was a little bit of a ripple effect. So because there were, there was a mass amount of employees leaving companies, the employees that were left in these companies were taking on extra work, right? Um, uh, you know, because these companies were now understaffed. So that was burning people out. So they decided to leave, either leave the workforce or switch jobs. Of course, people were really in pursuit of better work-life balance specifically because of the pandemic and maybe it was childcare or home, you know, right. uh, Zoom schooling for our children or, um, or health concerns, et cetera. Um, of course, people started thinking a little bit more about salary and wait a second, could I be getting paid more? I'm starting to, this is starting to become a little bit in, in, this is starting to become a little bit more normal in the narrative. So they, they left for better paying jobs or they left for self-employment um, to either start a new business or to join, you know, the gig economy Um or they retired early. There was a large contingent of the demographic that was closer in retire, close, getting closer to retirement age that we saw retiring earlier than they likely would have. Yeah. So that, those were sort of some of the factors that were playing into this sort of great reshuffle. Um, then comes the sort of the great regret, and this um, is kind of the the current. Um, yeah, narrative. is that where we're at now? It's kind of where we're at. Yeah, it's been okay. where we're at for a little while. And essentially what this is connoting is just that um, of uh, many of these people who quit their jobs, um, um, you know, many of them are, are reporting that uh, the grass actually wasn't as green as I thought it was. Now, many of these people are the people who were move who weren't leaving the workforce, they were moving into new employment. Mm -hmm. So they were just shuffling, they were moving into new jobs. Um, so there's a couple surveys that I've been following. One of them, it looked at 800 employees and about 80% of those 800 reported that they regret the, the decision they made to leave. Another survey w was a, a little bit bigger. It was a 2,500 person study and about 75 or close to 75% of them stated sort of surprise or regret for making this decision. Um, essentially um, stating that much of what they were leaving for, which was the promise of better work life balance, yeah. the promise of upward mobility, maybe more professional development opportunities and growth, um, the promise of maybe better pay or um, work from home, you know, remote work really wasn't realized. And mm -hmm. so um, now was that report done on people who were making a whole new career change or staying within this field and just switching companies? Oh, that's a good question. There probably is some disaggregation that it does, but yeah. I don't I don't actually know. I would imagine it was a cross sector. Okay. Um, um, I would imagine most of these are cross sectors, mm -hmm. but but yeah, I'm not totally sure. Yeah, because I yeah. feel even with my own clients, most of my clients are in the tech industry. And so there was a lot of jumping from, you know, Microsoft to Google to Google to Amazon, Amazon to Facebook and vice versa. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I will say from my experience with my clients, so I work with about um, close to 200 or so people a year. Um, many of them are folks who are wanting to change careers, but just not quite sure to what. Yeah. Many of them have had a really great, successful career thus far, but they're just ready for something new and different. And they just kind of have nowhere to, they have no idea even where to start. Um, many of them are, um, um, you know, are people who have moved into new, um, new roles completely, either new industries or new functions completely. So I, I consider a career change. It might even be in the same industry, but it's a totally different function right. than maybe you previously played. Um, and the reason why and, I ask you that is because yeah. I would imagine that the pandemic allowed us to value more of our worth, right? But then if people are making the change to jump into a whole new industry, a whole new career, and they're starting at the bottom, right? So, I mean, at some well, point. Well, I wouldn't say that. I no. think, I think the, well, your former point, yes, I do think for many of us, the, the pandemic represented a little bit of a, a culture, um, 
a culture shift mm -hmm. and a kind of a reimagining of like, wait a second, what are we doing with our lives? Or, right. you know, we spend a third of our time at work. That's about 90,000 hours for a full-time <laughs> worker in wow. a life that you're spending at work, right? This is why Obama yeah. um, has just come out with this Recently. big Netflix, right? Yeah. And all this work <laughs> around let's talk about work. Like, mm -hmm. what are people doing every day, right? This is just a huge amount of time. And so I do think the pandemic for many people was this kind of reckoning with themselves around how do I align a little bit more with my values? Or how do I just find work that actually makes me happy? Or how do I find work that maybe just pays me more? So at least while I'm at work, I can feel like I'm making good money. Yeah. Um, it was sort of different for a lot of people. Um, so Oh, but I just lost track of what your second question was. No. So with people, you know, making the change and maybe it's a whole new industry that they're kind of on the bottom of. I mean. Oh, right. Right. So I would say that's a false belief. So mm -hmm. we believe that when we change careers, we have to start over. That mm -hmm. it's like we've been climbing, 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 right, for 15, 20, yeah. 25, 30 years. And now we want something different. And therefore, we have to start from the beginning. And that belief that, I mean, this is a very common narrative. And it's really, really detrimental. It's ingrained in us. Yeah. It's ingrained in us. Yeah. And if, I mean, who the heck wants to start over <laughs> when they've just spent 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years yeah. building skills and experience and, and knowledge in a certain industry or right. function. So I would say that it's, it's and, and what I'm seeing is that it's not true. When people can really understand what they are best at, how their past um, uh, experience translates into different quote unquote languages or into different industries or functions, then they don't have to start from the beginning. They're just, you know, piv they're just truly pivoting and starting where they are and then continuing to grow upwards from that. Okay. That makes um, sense. So, so yeah, I would say, um, yeah, don't, you don't have to start over, <laughs> like get that out of your mind. Everyone who, who is ready to make a career change. It's not about starting over. It's about taking everything you've been doing thus far and translating it into a new, yeah. into a new activation. Okay. So how long do you think we're going to be in this great regret? Oh, gosh, you know, I don't I don't know. Everything is changing so quickly. Right. But like I do see some, you know, kind of back to your original question, too, around like some really positive changes that have come from the pandemic. Um, you know, one, we've seen a lot of employers changing their talent search practices because of the pandemic. So we're seeing more and more companies dropping degree requirements mm -hmm. for jobs, mm -hmm. which is fantastic because so many jobs do not actually really need a higher degree. Um, like that doesn't actually... Um, it doesn't actually mean that you're going to do better in a job if you have a higher right. degree and people yeah. are starting to realize that um, more and more companies are adding benefits like professional development, like um, career coaching and executive uh -huh. coaching, like um, opportunities for growth, mentoring programs, right? They're, they're realizing that based on because of the pandemic and because of the changing demographic in our workforce with Gen Z and millennials kind of aging up um, there are things that are more important to some to some of these generations you know mm -hmm. we know with Gen Z and millennial growth and development and flexibility is super super important right. and so we are seeing more and more companies offer these things um, we're also seeing um, you know, more and more companies invest in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And some can say this was because of this pandemic. Some can say this was because of the murder of George Floyd and mm. the big racial uprisings of 2020. Some can say a lot of things, right? But the reality is, is we are seeing this in more sort of mainstream um, corporate um corporate culture now and um and that's that's a good thing when done right it's yeah. not always done right but when done right um it, and then microsoft last... added mindfulness programs recently mm -hmm. so. yeah and 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 then the addition of mindfulness and this this um understanding that people are humans like mm -hmm. like employees are humans we burn first out. employees <laughs> second right. humans first and humans um 
need to recharge. If they're going to operate at their best, if they're actually going to really contribute to a company's bottom line and take them into the future, they have to be taken care of. Their right. mind has to be taken care of. Um, so a lot of mindfulness, you know, better up big company that's now doing work that's now offering workplace coaching it's just becoming more and more mainstream that's wonderful um so those are some benefits that i'm seeing all right yeah well when we come back i'm going to touch on what industries are winning right now (laughs) so everyone we're going to take a quick break but stay tuned for the weekly skinny up next and more love from the hip on this weekly skinny i would like to discuss how the pandemic has impacted beauty trends Facing mortality made a lot of people aware of their vulnerability, and as a result, they have reprioritized a lot of things in their lives, including their beauty lifestyle. Now, many beauty product consumers are asking for more results, which include less wrinkles, less pigment, less irritation, and less breakouts, with having to do a minimal amount of skincare. Essentially, consumers want their individual expectations to be met in fewer, more personalized products. As a result, beauty brands are shifting to accommodate these new consumer needs. Snip, a global marketing solutions company, recently published their findings and projections for 2023 trends in the cosmetic industry in the U.S. and Europe. They say that this new desire for low-key beauty lifestyles has already begun to shape the landscape for both the beauty and cosmetic industry. And they have laid out the five key trends to look for to help brands to win at beauty. Number one is skinification of beauty. They describe this as the increased awareness from the consumer on the premium ingredients as well as potential benefits for their skin. Many beauty brands, for instance, are creating cosmetic products that blur the lines between makeup and skincare, like Victoria Beckham's eyeliner, which is infused with chamomile and vitamin E, for example. Number two is a focus on clean ingredients. SNP reports that key industry players like Target, Ulta, and Sephora are investing extensively in research to include organic and natural cosmetics. 2022 sales showed a significant increase in the sales of beauty products meeting the strictest clean definitions, and 2023 is projected to have 1.75 billion sales in natural cosmetics alone in the U.S. Key factor number three is a hyper-personalization of products. This means products that are geared for a customer's unique genetic makeup. Many companies are now testing DNA and the skin's bacterial composition to help with this. Key factor four is 360-degree sustainability, which includes ethical product development and production. Companies are focusing on eco-friendly packaging with emphasis on sourcing ingredients which respect the ecosystem and consider environmental impact. Key factor five is a rise of social commerce and indie brands. The pandemic helped to elevate e-commerce channels and the wave continues. In fact, in 2021, 65% of U.S. consumers continued to purchase beauty products online. Also, a significant influence on brands is predominantly led by influencers on social media, which is said to make social commerce expand three times faster than traditional e-commerce, reaching $1.2 trillion by 2025. This alone has led to an explosion of socially fueled indie brands. As a result, larger brand companies are being encouraged to focus more on their social media presence and influence, not to mention their digital offerings. As a consumer, look out for all of these wonderful changes to finally come your way. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I am intuitive medium, spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a very intriguing discussion with career and executive coach, Aaron Thomas. So Aaron, before the break, you were sharing how companies have restructured basically taken what they've learned through COVID or the pandemic and then now are restructuring their company. So what's one company in particular that you are fond of mm. due to this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that question because I, I I have been um, keeping a pulse on one company in particular that I really believe is totally winning right now. And, and, and I think we can learn a lot from them, and that's Airbnb. Um, now, 
they, you know, are a very certain type of company. So we have to acknowledge that, you know, a bank um, and Airbnb are not the same, the same type of company. They have very, very different needs and therefore their organizational structures have to look very different. And that's just real. Mm-hmm. Airbnb, however, has the, has the opportunity to be global, right? So it's a global company um, and it's all about lifestyle and flexibility and adventure. And um, it really has very clear corporate values of, of which some of those are. Um, so, you know, they pre-pandemic, um, I don't actually know how much remote work was happening with Airbnb pre-pandemic. My, my, I suspect not a ton, maybe mm-hmm. a, a little bit, but not a ton. Um, and um, post-pandemic, um, they are now fully remote. Um, however, they really call themselves a people-first organization, hmm. and and while while they're still fully remote, um, mo- most of their employees are fully remote. They do have um, they do have headquarters throughout the world where um, that offer office space for people who prefer a hybrid or an in-person work environment. Um, so they they also offer that, but. Um, but they're in, they're a people first organization, and so they've really built their organizational culture and their structures around this idea. And what it means is 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 that their policies, their procedures, their practices um, focus on people, recognizing that people are their most valuable asset. That without their people, they are nothing. But they and and conversely with people and with people um working at at you know optimally and feeling motivated and feeling engaged they believe that they're that's going to significantly impact their bottom line yeah um and it's working um <laughs> uh it's it's totally working like employees are reporting you know really really high levels of motivation engagement mm. satisfaction their um their their revenues are increasing now there's other considerations that might you know be causing that as well like maybe more people are traveling post pandemic etc um but it just bottom line is it's just working um and so i really think that the industries that are winning right now are these are, are, are companies within these industries that are recognizing they this is such an opportunity to treat their people differently and and there's not a cookie cutter approach like mm-hmm. what works for airbnb isn't going to work for another company that's really different that has right. different types of products and services but within any company we can try to understand well what do our people need just to feel motivated engaged and so that they can work their best right and 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 then and then design structures around that so it sounds like they really have company culture down i think so yeah and i think this is somewhat new for them or that's what i'm reading and hearing is that you know they haven't always been like this mm-hmm. um but that really this was because um this was you know the impetus was the pandemic and yeah they're really putting culture at the forefront um that's awesome Now, how might this new restructure for a lot of the companies that have chosen to do so impact consumers? Yeah, I mean, great question. I mean, I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I have a I have a hunch and Mm -hmm. my hunch is even just based on Airbnb and their their revenues um, and their revenue increases that, you know, it will it can only improve the customer experience it can only increase sales and productivity it it if done right right right? so like it's not either or i think traditionally the way that we we've managed companies it's a either you give benefits and you figure out how to keep your people engaged and happy or you are cutthroat and you make a huge profit and you just you treat your employees like trash And I just don't, and certainly that's the case in some industries still, like, you know, we do see that, but like, I think we are changing, we are evolving as a society and we are seeing that actually that doesn't work. And so when organizations and companies can really approach this kind of people first culture and therefore build structures that make sense for them, I think it's only going to increase their bottom line, increase their consumerism. 
That's awesome. And, you know, one example of that is, we'll go back to Airbnb. I mean, if anybody's like me, when I know a company is treating their people really well and like, you know, it's a revered company to work for, I am much more likely to support that company. Mm -hmm. Other companies we see doing this, Patagonia, right? There's been all this, you know, media around Patagonia doing all this, you know, philanthropic giving and really taking climate, um, climate change and climate resiliency really seriously. Yeah. I am much more likely to spend my money on those products because I believe in I, I believe in them and I and I respect that. Yeah. And they're taking care of their employees. So you can yeah. get behind that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I also think this speaks a little bit to again like the changing demographics. We mm-hmm. know that some of the the younger generations, Gen Z, you know, millennials, um they're they're kind of more focused on social impact or that's what we're seeing not everybody but as yeah. a as a um as a generation we see like social impact environmental awareness um a little bit more of a value front and center for these younger generations and so um, now since you're on the younger generations i want to ask you yeah. because you know a lot of people think that the younger generations are really lazy that they have no work ethic they can only stand for four hours a day and not work an eight-hour shift. So what do you have to say to that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have so much to say to that. I, <laughs> I, well, I don't think it's true. I do not think that younger generations are lazy at all. Um, I think they're different. I think every generation is different. And as I you know, said at the beginning of the show, they should be different because we are evolving. We are a species. Species evolve with the time. And it's a good thing it's not mm-hmm. a bad thing it's a it's an opportunity to do better to take care of each other more to um work in different ways that are you know healthy and that are productive so i don't think they're lazy i think i think they're really challenging the status quo and i think the status quo is we have a very Mm, tricky relationship to work you know as you said at the beginning of the show sometimes (laughs) our identities are wrapped up into what we do and that's not always a good thing because we are much more than what we do for work Um, so I do think this generation is helping us challenge that notion a little bit and also help us as a workforce look at well how do we structure our work days I mean we look at a lot of countries in Europe and they work less than 40 hours and they're Mm -hmm. hyper productive there are things we can learn from these from from you know from where it's working so I don't believe that just more work equals more productivity Mm -hmm. yeah I think smarter work equals more productivity and sometimes that's less time sometimes that's working from another location. Sometimes that's really rethinking something. I'm glad that you shared that. So can I ask you then what industries do you feel are suffering the most right now? Yeah, well, I mean, there's some industries just that I've, you know, that I know because I'm keeping a pulse on the economy are suffering. And then there's some industries that I'm experiencing firsthand with my clients that are suffering. Um, In terms of just some of the industries that I know are suffering, you know, food service is still suffering, hospitality, um, luxury, um, whatever that industry is called, um, wholesale and retail, um, you know, basically industries that pay very minimally. Mm. Um, And so so what's got to happen? Well, I think there's, well, I don't know what's going to happen. My hunch is that either, you know, um, some of these industries are going to have to start paying their people more. Will that mean that it's a greater cost to the consumer? Maybe. Mm. You know, we see that certainly where I live. So I live in Sonoma County in California. It's in the heart of wine country. And it is so expensive to eat out at yeah, restaurants here. Right. And there are certain restaurants, some some of my favorites, that are totally rethinking the way that um, chefs and line cooks and servers and bartenders are paid. They're paid on a, um, they're paying them a salary. They're giving them full benefits. They're in, it's like a salary of like 70 plus K. Wow. USD. Yeah. It's like a pretty livable wage. 
Now, as the consumer, I'm paying for that. So there's an implication <laughs> there, right? Right. So, and then know, inflation. <laughs> and then, you know, and with inflation. But I think that either, you know, that's going to happen more so, um, or, you know, there's going to be less, there's going to be less supply of some of these restaurants or some mm. of these retail shops or some of these, there's just going to be less supply because people can't, you know, small businesses can't sustain um sustain them anymore yeah so yeah that's that's my hunch of what's going to happen I'm glad that in you terms of some of the industries that I'm seeing with my clients that are really suffering number one education mm-hmm. I have so many teachers administrators in k-12 through as well as higher ed that are just suffering right now they're burnout. so burnt out mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's like they've always been burnt out but then the last three plus years it's just been kind of that cherry on top. And so I, I'm seeing a lot of people leave the industry, um, which is is really, really sad because yeah, this we... is one of the most important industries <laughs> right. of, our, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, you know, civil society. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as well as I work with a lot of people from nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So a lot of nonprofit folks that are, again, really burnt out and just sick of not getting paid, you know, enough. Um I work with folks um, from, you know, um, in in medicine um, that are that are done, you know, some of it is they're sick of being on the front lines and the last three years has just been too much um, and really ready for something new. So. All right. Well, I'm going to touch back on that after our break, but we're going to take a quick, quick break. So don't go anywhere. Love from the hip. We'll be right back. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at AsteraCare.com. That's E S T H E R A Care.com. If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425 754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm intuitive medium, spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you're just joining us, the lovely Erin Thomas has returned to give us her career coaching insight. So Erin, before the break, you were sharing all the burnout professions from the pandemic. I was hoping there was one last one that's really important (laughs) that you could share. 
this one is really important to me because I fall in, in, into this group, but it's, um, it's working parents. Mm. Um, and I work with a lot of people who are either new working parents or have been working parents for a long time, working mothers, working fathers, mostly working mothers, just that's the majority of people I work with. But, um, but yeah, the burnout is so real with this group, you know, obviously so, right. Yeah. They've, They've been caring for their little ones. They had their little ones on Zoom all year for three years. Um, (laughs) And they're working a full-time job, many, many jobs, you know, many of whom are in very senior leadership roles. So there's a lot of stress and responsibility. Uh, So the burnout is is real. It's, um, yeah. And you think they've recovered? We've recovered? No, I don't think they've recovered. I'm still tired. Yeah, I know. Same. I don't think, you know, I think burnout is hard. It's hard to recover from. It's totally recoverable, um, but it just takes time. And it also, I think, takes some, some changing of how we approach the work. And so, you know, this is a lot of what I do with my executive clients and my, my leadership coaching clients, um, you know, we really look at, well, how can they do their work just as effectively, but a little bit different? Because the reality is, is they can't give everything 100%. They can't right. give their kids 100%. They can't give their job 100%. They can't give their yeah. house 100 you know, whatever all the things they have going on. So so we have to like design a little bit differently. And that I think helps with the burnout. Yeah, I love that you do that. So now you mentioned earlier that you help people who have been in a career for a long time, either make a change or even those rejoin the workforce how do we do that how do we do that if we don't even know what we want to do (laughs) yeah yeah yes a great question I work with so many people who are in this moment in this kind of inflection point in their career and that's that's how I think about it is that it's it's an inflection point and while it's scary and a little overwhelming it's super it can be super exciting um and um the 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 thing i love about working with people who have a lot of career experience you know who have been in career for 10 15 20 plus years is that we have a lot of data we can mine and make sense out of to determine what else moving forward. Hmm. So how do we do that? Um, Number one, we do a little bit of self-discovery. We get really, really clear on who you are. What is most important to you? What do you do best? Like, what are your superpowers? How are you motivated to move and behave at work, outside of work? Um, What are you most interested in? Sometimes that matters. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Honestly, um, we we get we we do a little bit of data mining, right? What have you been doing in the last ten, fifteen, twenty plus years that has given you a lot of energy? What have you been doing that's really depleted your energy? So we do this this really fun sort of exercising of. Um, discovery and we get all these sort of datas and I'm very data oriented. So that's how I think about it is like we get clear on all these datas so that then we can put them together and kind of make a map of you. Hmm. And so, you know, you can hire a coach to help you do this, but you can also do this on your own. Just make some lists. What Hmm. do you do best? Like, like truly, like, what are you best at at work or even outside of work? You don't have to just think about it at work. These are things you're best at outside of work because we don't actually change ourselves. We don't change who we are when we're at work or outside of work. We change how we behave. So to meet (laughs) the needs of the environment we're in, which oftentimes can be really problematic, <laughs> but we don't change, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so, so just make some lists and, and start brainstorming. What do you do really well? What is most important to you? These are your values, like really in your heart of hearts, what is most important to you? How do you see the world? Mm-hmm. How do you make decisions? What, um, what's important to you? And then thirdly, what motivates you? Like when you start getting really enthusiastic or engaged or, you know, motivated, what is happening? Just make those lists and start, you know, doing a little bit of sense making around what are some themes? What are some patterns you see in there? When you do. mm -hmm. I was going to ask, which step do you think is the hardest for most of your clients that you've seen? I think the hardest is sense making, is making sense out of it all. It's like, sure, like we can get clear on these datas, but then it's like, what do we do with that? Right. Um, and so, 
here are a couple ways to to do that second step you build your brand Hmm. which i know sounds a little bit out of order but here's the thing a brand is 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 basically the aspirate like the way that i think about branding is you are designing your aspirational narrative it's the like here's here's who i am when i'm at my best here's what I've been doing that I'm really proud of and that I'd actually like to do more of. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm best at and why that matters to the workforce. Right. So, so it's, 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 it's almost like a visioning. It helps us actually make sense out of all this data and all this data is what builds your brand. And then right? integrates it. Yeah. It integrates it. Right. So you build a brand that way you can start to see who you want to be and what you want to be doing more of in the future, even if it's wildly different than what you've been doing. And oftentimes it is. Yeah. And then it also gives you a little bit of confidence around how do I talk about my career? How do I talk about myself that feels authentic and feels right? I love that. So how many of our obstacles in our careers or related to our careers are our own limiting beliefs? So many, so, so, so many, but, but when you ask people this, they say, oh no, it's all good. No, 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 Uh none. Um, So this is one of the things that I feel like is what I see in my clients is probably impacts 99.9% of them. But if I asked them at the beginning, how much is your mindset playing a factor in your career challenges? Probably 1% would say, yes, that's true. Um, which is just interesting. But yeah, it's super important. And here's why. Because your thoughts are informed by your beliefs. And your thoughts inform your actions. And your actions inform your outcomes. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's this. So think of it as a circle, right? You right. have your thoughts right, or beliefs, actions, outcomes. If you want an outcome, like I want I want to get paid more than I've ever gotten paid. And I want to love my job. Like I want to be excited to go to work every day. Then, you know, you have to, you have to grapple with those beliefs. Well, I have so many more questions for you, Erin, but I know we're running out of time. So I was hoping that you can share with my listeners how they can book a session with you, a coaching session, learn more about you and any of your upcoming programs. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, I do have an upcoming program. It's called Career Upgrade Boot Camp. This is a 12-week program that basically helps you do all of what I just described and more. It gets you super clear on what your next steps um, can look like based on what you do best and, and how you're well positioned to, um, to contribute to the workforce. It helps you build a brand. It, gets, it builds you a vision for your career gets your resume and LinkedIn all spiffied up and and so much more. (laughs) So that program is happening in June, uh, June 20th. Okay. And folks can um, find me on my website, careerupgradecoaching.com, where you can schedule a free um, career upgrade coaching session with me and we'll um, talk and and I can share more information. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here today, Erin. Thank you. So fun. And thank you to Eric, my amazing producer, and you, the listener, KKNW and Cape Town Zone Radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Love from the Hip. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U. URA skinandmind.com